I feel like the magic really happens at that point when you're just about to give up. Welcome back to Unhinged. We're really excited for this week. We have Damona Hoffman. She has been a dating coach for 15 years and she started out as a casting director in television, worked out in LA and ended up turning something that she really loved into a career and she's just completely changed the game of digital connection and we're really, really excited that we got to talk to her and have this conversation. You guys are going to love everything she has to say. Get out a pen and paper and take notes, to be honest. She speaks in quotes and they are beautiful quotes. She's also the host of the Dates and Mates podcast. She's also made hundreds of appearances on NBC, Fox, Sirius XM, Women's Day Magazine, People, and many more. She's also the dating expert on the Drew Barrymore show, featured in the Washington Post multiple times, as well as NPR. Little uh, sneak preview, some of the takeaways in this interview. Demona had tons of amazing stuff to say. One of my key takeaways, I don't know about you, Peyton, was just kind of stop making excuses to connect with people a little bit. She really emphasized that you can't get to know someone just by texting them. FaceTime them, go to drinks outside, do something that's in person. Yeah, even call. To get to know people, you have to stop texting them. She also talks about how important it is to stay present on dates and really listen to what that person is saying. She says she actually uses improv, and she'll talk about this in the interview, but she uses kind of improv techniques with her clients just to really teach them how to listen to someone. So instead, you know, next time you go on your date, stop evaluating that person. It's not a job interview. Really take the time to listen and connect and kind of ask questions based on their responses instead of always thinking of the next thing you have to say or just looking for red flags. Of course, keep them in mind, but you should not be actively, you know, just think about if you actually like this person. If you're looking for something, you're basically going to find that thing. So if you go into a date ready to find reasons why this person is not right and search for these red flags, like I'm sure you can find a few orange ones that seem red because <laughs> you're like stressed. Yeah. And so, another yeah. thing I liked that she said was that no date is a waste of time which I think is something our followers and listeners probably need to hear feedback from friends. And they're like, you know, I don't want to go on this date with this person because I just don't want to waste my time. Like, I don't have time for that. And actually, no, like nothing's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Everything I think I'm going to exactly quote Demona here, but everything informs the journey. And yes, I love that. Yeah, it's just you learn from everything. You do. Go for it. Stop sitting around in your room. That's ironic (laughs) because I literally did sit around in my room a lot this weekend because I but that's okay I'm gonna I'm gonna make some big moves she is I'm gonna make you yeah there's no excuses (laughs) if you've seen have you seen Little Miss Sunshine no I think there's a I love the soundtrack that's one of the best you have to watch it one (laughs) two there's a quote where she's like or I don't know who says it but maybe it's the dad. I don't know who it is, but they're like, excuses are the nails that build a house of failure. Oh, damn. It's true. <laughs> it's true. We're getting okay, off track. We're getting, we're getting, we're getting, getting off track. Away, but, um, um, yeah. All right. Bye. We, we go to Demona. Yeah. Peace. Demona, do you want to 
to, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your history as a dating coach and working at OkCupid? Yeah, I, um, yeah. I started as a dating coach, believe it or not, 15 years ago. I met my husband online and realized that I had a system that worked for helping people meet someone on a dating, I would say app, but they weren't apps then, they were sites. Um, and then I started, I started coaching people throughout the entire process of dating soon after because I realized I could get people on a lot of dates. But then if they were doing the same things that were keeping them single, that we needed to up level a little bit our dating skill set to help them throughout the entire process. And the big flip, the big learning for me was actually through my my other job. I was working as a casting director in television and I was teaching classes for actors and how to market themselves and how to choose headshots that really would stand out to someone like me. And I, you know, it's pretty obvious now. At the time it was revolutionary, but it's pretty obvious that a profile pic is basically the same as a headshot and a first date is in an audition. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> once I used that that um insight and applied that to dating, I was able to help a lot of people. And I've worked with so many uh of the dating apps over the years and I've been doing my podcast Dates and Mates for eight years. So I've had people from eHarmony, OkCupid, okay Hinge, Bumble. Um, I've had Coffee Meets Bagel. I've had the CEOs of pretty much every dating app on the show. And I just really um, have always resonated with OkCupid's okay message and their inclusivity. And so um, this year I got the opportunity to work with them as their dating expert and spokesperson. Amazing. That was a long, wow, long-winded story. No, no, no. I love the um, kind of how the working in TV translated so well to dating. Yeah. I like to tell my clients that nothing is wasted. Like every experience that you have can be applied to, to dating, to life. And I like to just reuse those experiences because it's really easy to look at bad dates and be like, well, that was a waste of time or a job that you had. And like, I didn't learn anything there. But if you really slow down and pick it apart, you can see how each interaction that you have and each experience that you have kind of informs the, the, the journey as you go along. What was it like coaching during the transition from online dating to dating apps? And do you kind of have different methodology that you give your clients if they're online versus on an app? No, it's pretty much the same. I mean, and now it's all, mm -hmm. I also, I left out Match, who was like, uh, and J-Date, who were the first two apps for me mm -hmm. that I worked with. Um, so mm -hmm. I have to, have to give them their props uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for helping me launch my career. But um, so Match is now like Match the dating app. They don't go by Match.com. And um, okay. yes, everything is, a, yeah. everything is an app now. Um, I will say the transition was not that, it was not that different in terms of what I tell people because I had always said photos are the most important part of the profile. I had also always said to choose your words strategically so that you say less using, you say more using less. I'm flipping everything. <laughs> say more using fewer words, right? Um, because that's, and again, that goes back to my storytelling and casting. And I also was a producer mm -hmm and TV development executive, that, that's what I learned about storytelling. And really 
on dating apps, you're just telling your story. So that part was all the same. And pretty much the process is still similar. That said, the things that I've seen shift since really Tinder, Tinder took off and, you know, now, now everything is a dating app, as I said, but Tinder was really the first one. Well, technically Grindr was the first one, but Grindr kind of inspired Mm -hmm. Tinder to use the swipe technology to then help facilitate, make the conversations easier to move into. Because before it was like you had to pay 20, 30 bucks a month. Uh, You had to do a lot of filtering and searching. And this is like the big change for Match is that it used to be much more filtering and searching based. And now they've, and OkCupid as well. Um, In August, OkCupid rolled out a feature called Stacks, which kind of looks like Instagram stories where you have the Mm -hmm. highlighted people at the top. So when it used to be matching much more based on the matching questions, which are still a huge part of the OkCupid profile, now you have the ability to use it more like a Tinder if you want to just shortcut to the to the profiles and the pictures. So the big thing that shifted when Tinder opened the floodgates was one, people started expecting all of the dating apps to be free. And I get a lot of pushback from people on paying anything. They're like, oh, all the good matches are behind mm-hmm. the paywall. Or like, I have to pay for Beeline if I want to actually see people who like me. And there's like a lot of frustration <laughs> around paying anything for dating apps. And I'm like, but do you realize that like, it's not free. It's not free and you get what you pay for. So yeah, you get more features if you pay for features. The other thing that changed is the speed of dating. Like now people are just dating more. I knew way back then, like I was going on two, three dates a weekend before I met my husband, Mm -hmm. but that was not the norm. And people complain about dating now because they're like, oh, there's all this ghosting and there's so many people and I don't connect with anyone. And I'm like, I don't know. Is it better that you had two dates this weekend or is it better that you had two dates a year? Because that's really the frequency that more people were going on, like even 10, 15, Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. The, the third thing that has changed is the barrier for entry. Aside from the price, it's so easy to create a profile now. Like when I started online dating, kid you not, had to go down to Kinko's, to, to Kinko's, FedEx Kinko's, then just yeah. Kinko's, to scan in my photo, my physical photo, to then put it on a, on a, I think it was like a disc. I don't even know. Like a USB <laughs> flash drive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if it was a flash drive. I swear. I a- think it was a physical disc. And mm-hmm. then I had to put that in my computer. I swear. All the time. <laughs> but hilarious. that tells you like how much effort yeah. I had to put into just being online and that everyone had to put in to be there. Now, so quick. You just pick a couple pictures from your Facebook and free and you're on. So you get a lot of variety, don't you? <laughs> In the yes. And how long were you on online dating before you met your husband? Um, about two years, I think. About two mm-hmm. years on and off, like not consistently. And I mm-hmm. and that is still true with my clients now. Like I see that they'll they'll go on and they'll like really give it their all for like six or eight weeks, and then if if it doesn't if it doesn't take off, then they'll get frustrated. They'll want to sign off. And the interesting thing is that I feel like the magic really happens at that point when you're just about to give up. So many of my clients have literally like written to me week 
And I always tell them, this is coming. I'm like, this is the cycle. You're going to have a lot of matches at the beginning. You're going to be really excited. And then they're going to dwindle. And then you're going to start getting fatigued. And then like between week six and eight, you're going to say like, nothing's happening and I want to give up. <laughs> and then something's going to happen if you push past that point. But see, a lot of people don't push past that, that point. They, they get into fatigue. They get frustrated and then they pull back. And then they say dating apps don't work. Do you think that's part of the instant gratification of the digital age and kind of just the people that are on these apps or? That's a great question. Yes. And I think it's also a pattern in life that when things get really hard, we tend to walk away. And I, I much, my coaching has become much more holistic about the, not just the strategy of dating, which I think is really important. And I think it's something that most people do not put any kind of a process around. They do it by chance and then they expect to get some sort of result. But like I put a process around it, but part of my process now is also including the, the thought processes you have, the inner work that you have to do, the, the even a little bit of like spiritual work um, figuring out your values, figuring out why certain things are important to you. And I, I think we're not usually asking ourselves those questions. And I found in my own coaching, like I, I, I work with coaches. I better help is a big partner of the dates and mates podcast. I'm big into therapy. I think we, we learn and we, we learn and grow throughout our lives, but I've seen in many arenas that when things get really tough, that that is when we want to just throw in the towel and everything good is on the other side of that barrier. All of the learning, all of the juicy stuff, all of the deeper connections are past the point where you want to give up. I love that. Um, That's but great. what That's specifics, really great. like kind of when you get your client to the date, what specific strategies do you like to teach them? Because we listened to you on We Met at Acme and, and Lindsay has very specific dating rules. So I also wanted to hear your opinion on those. Um, uh, definitely but. follow Lindsay's dating rules because she is the bomb and she knows what she's talking about. But also, yeah. um, I, so what are the rules on the date? Uh, be led by curiosity first. Like I have all my clients do a, do a pre-date ritual. So they're going into the date, one, in the right mental space, two, prepared like their presentation is prepared. And this is even if we're talking about virtual dates. And then three, knowing what you're curious to learn about that person. And then open a possibility. And I'll, I'll do, I do improv work with my clients and have them use the principles of improv to get better at listening and responding and staying in the moment and not going for the joke. But really, people think that that's what improv is about. But really, it's much more <laughs> about being being there. I don't know if you, either of you have done any improv. improv yeah. I was Marcella is actually a bit of a theater person. girl. Yeah. <laughs> She's a theater person. She directed a musical yeah. in college. See, oh, so yes. you, you know, yeah. you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I do. It's about authenticity and committing to the moment that you're in. Cause that's the big mm -hmm. problem right now. We're not committing to the moment we're in. We're playing ahead to the next moment. We're playing ahead to like, could this person be my boyfriend and like wouldn't my mom like him and like oh wait what did he just mm -hmm. say I'm not even really listening because I'm like picking him apart looking for red flags and playing forward to the end of the story mm -hmm. so 
that is a big lesson for my clients in preparing for the date, just literally being there. Um, my other dating rules, I, I can't give you all my secrets, but my <laughs> yeah, other yeah. rules are <laughs> keep the date shorter than you think it should be. Like an hour is really from mm -hmm. coming from a, a stranger on a dating app to, to a date, whether it's virtual or in person, an hour is about all you need. You want the energy mm -hmm. to feel like it's ending in the middle and like there's something to be continued. People think, people will tell me like, oh, I had a great date. Like we had drinks, um, pre-COVID, <laughs> we mm -hmm. had drinks. And then we went and then we were like, oh, we should go to this other restaurant and get dinner too. And then he was like, do you want to go for ice cream? And it was so romantic. We went for a walk on the beach. And then like, before I knew it, it was two in the morning. And I'm just like, no, actually that date didn't go well. And people are like, <laughs> I'm so confused. It went so well. We spent six hours together. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like you got caught up in the, in the flow of it. But then a lot of times if things are progressing that quickly, then you're not, you're, you're not building the anticipation before the dates. You're not getting to know them on a deeper level. You're oversharing. And a lot of times that's when I see it burn out quickly. I feel like I'm not sounding very optimistic here, but it's just like, I was just- No, no, no. I agree with that. Like, yeah, well, I, I mystery agree. too. I'm just like, honey, I've, I've been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and that's the thing that really gives me confidence in this, mm -hmm. in this strategy is I have just seen this system work for so many people, like regardless of age, regardless of height and weight, regardless of location, like these are all the things that people will, will throw at me as reasons why they haven't met the right person. And I'm like, okay, well, try doing it my way. If Bobby, mm -hmm. you've been doing it, isn't working do it my way for a little while and see what happens. And usually things change very quickly. And, it, and it's like a few little variables. It's not changing everything. It's not like, oh, you need to go get professional dating app pictures now, um, which, you know, some people need, some people don't. Um, mm -hmm. But it's these little tweaks in the way that we talk to ourselves before a date. Because someone like Lindsay, for example, is like never text the guy first. Just wondering what you thought about women making the first move. If you're meeting from an, from an app, you have to remember the app is a tool. It's a piece of technology. It doesn't have feelings. It's not chivalrous. It doesn't have rules built into it. It is, it is a computer. It is a, piece of, it is a piece of code. So you have to think of your programming the algorithm. And my philosophy from 15 years ago to today has been you need to be the one doing the choosing, not sitting around waiting to get chose. Now, that doesn't mean you should go into like aggressive mode and start chasing a guy and like double texting him and being like, we swiped and we matched and like, why haven't you written me? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not that it's just creating an opening and you know i having access to to dating app data i've seen that women who initiate actually have a higher match rate and that according to like matches singles in america survey this year they said men really like when women initiate messages and there's like a whole argument on like oh does that make men lazy it's just like no it makes mm -hmm. it clear like that's the that's the 
other thing that's changed since I started. It's there's so much ambiguity, kind of going back to the follow through because people are like, well, I don't want to come on too strong or I don't want him to know I'm interested. So I'm going to play it cool. And I'm not going to text him because the rule says that he like, if you spent half the time that you're thinking about these rules and the game that you're playing, thinking about how you can actually be a more interesting date and make better connections, you're going to have a lot more fun and probably have a lot more success in dating. And I don't say that to like disagree with, with Lindsay at all. Cause I, I think her advice is really sound. It's just my, my approach, like overall, another reason why I like working with OkCupid, mm-hmm. I, I just, I've, I, I think gender roles are super overrated. I have a lot of people that listen to my podcast who are, you know, non-binary, who are, you know, LGBTQ. And it's just, it just doesn't apply the way that we like to believe that it did. <laughs> you know, and the way yeah. it did, the way it did apply yeah. for so many years. But I just see that as an opportunity. Like you have an opportunity right now to write your own love story. Mm-hmm. To me, that's exciting. I know to some people that's overwhelming. And so many women come to me, like my average client is between 30 and 45, has been married to her job and realizes she'd actually rather be married to a man. <laughs> and <laughs> right. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think there's this romanticism that we hang on to of it used to be so much easier. Like why? I don't want to have to, I work so hard at work. I don't want to have to work that hard in love. I don't want to have to do, do all this stuff. I want him to just appear. Mm-hmm. And I just have a totally different philosophy on that. Like I want to do this stuff because I want to meet somebody who's doing this stuff too. And meet somewhere where we can grow together. Isn't that more exciting? Am I yeah. crazy here? Isn't that more exciting? And I think love takes work. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, it seems like it's just not one of those things that's easy to come by. It takes a lot of time and care and nurturing to really build up any relationship you're in. So it doesn't have to be easy. Yes. And it's kind of fun to put, right. plan the date. I don't know. And I would say, yes, you can make it fun. You can make it something that you get enjoyment out of. And like, as someone who's been now with my husband for 17 years and it keeps getting better, like he keeps becoming more and more interesting to me, which you think, what is there to discover after 17 years? But so much, so much more when you're with Mm -hmm. the right person. So, you know, when people say relationships are work, it's like, yeah, but it's not like, hard work, like the kind of, I, the way I would have thought relationships is hard work. The way, what I would have thought that meant before I met him was like, oh, like there's a lot of fights and there's a lot of drama and it's so hard to get on the same page and you have to compromise a lot. And then I suddenly realized when I was with somebody who's more compatible with me, because I'd done a lot of the preparation work that we've already talked about. And I showed up really ready to connect and really curious on on our dates that it's not that kind of work it's like the mm-hmm. kind of work where i want to show up and be a better version of myself for him and he mm-hmm. does the same thing and it doesn't feel like work it feels like growth it feels like it feels like being present it feels like being alive 
And I guarantee you, if you are in a work in a relationship that feels like hard work, 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 that's probably not the right relationship for you. And it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, that's that reminds me of a friend yeah. um, of mine who I I watched her in a relationship for a few years that was so clearly the wrong one. And she always would use that excuse, well, relationships take work. And you know, it I I've I've never been in a long-term relationship. Um so she didn't really think what I had to say <laughs> meant much, uh, which is fair enough, but it was the wrong type of work. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a wrong way. Too. Yeah. 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 And I get it. Like, I get that it, if you haven't found that, it feels a little bit impossible. It's hard to picture something that you haven't seen before, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have my clients also do like relationship role models. So you do see what that looks like, at least, you know, as much as you can know from the outside. But like, I'm thinking about a client of mine who she married the guy that looked great on paper and he was like very romantic and dramatic. Like they met at a ball game and like, as they were departing, he like ran up to her car and she she rolled down the window and he like kissed her through the window and it was just fireworks like literal fireworks and amazing <laughs> and they dated for a couple of years and then you know he's a nice jewish boy and she's a nice jewish girl and it seemed to work and then she married him and realized literally 6 months into it that it was not it and she's like I think I made a terrible mistake <laughs> and um, they got divorced after six months. And then she's like an early thirties divorcee thinking like she carried some sort of scarlet letter. Cause she's like, I don't even think I should tell people that's, that I've been married. Cause it's only six months. I'm like, well, I'm all about authenticity, but you know, we, she was on and off dating apps. I worked on her profile a couple of times. She was in and out of relationships. That's the other thing that I think people need to reframe. They'll say, oh, dating apps didn't work. Like I've met one guy that I dated for, you know, six months, but it didn't work. And I'm like, no, 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 it did work. Just cause he wasn't your, your person for life. Doesn't mean it didn't work. It did work. It's just like, we put these, this pressure on each of these interactions to be the one. And so she was just beyond like done with it. She broke up with this guy that she had met on, um, I think it was hinge, hinge or coffee, meets bagel. And I was like, can you just give me one more shot? Let's refresh your profile again, which is something that I do with my clients a lot. Like you can't set it and forget it. You have to constantly be refreshing your profile. And I put her, I think on hinge again, and then she ended up meeting a guy, I think two months in, they moved in together four months after that. They were married within a year of their, almost a year to the day of their first date. And then wow. like two years later, they had, they had a baby and he's not Jewish, like on paper, <laughs> like he didn't have the job that she wanted. He didn't, but she's like, Oh, this is so different. It was so easy. Like this is the life that I was supposed to have. And I was sitting there trying to fit all these square pegs into round holes. Not, and that was not an innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that inspires so many questions. 
I was curious how you adjusted your advice and you adjusted your methods for men versus women and then for people that have different gender preferences. Uh, if you work with a lot of the LGBTQ community and how you kind of adjust your practice for different preferences. That's an excellent question. So the men that I attract tend to be in a very different space. Like the women are, like I said, like the type A kind of like me, <laughs> like 30 to 45 the men tend to be more like late bloomers and never really learned like elements of attraction. We're never kind of the kind of guys that would just like, you know, walk up to a girl in a bar and do like the pickup artist stuff. Um, so what I, the process is the same, but what I work on with them are usually kind of how the process unfolds is a little bit different because they need to like feel confident enough to make bold moves and and also like going back to like vulnerability and being comfortable in your own skin a lot of times that's what i have to work with the guys on the type a women that i work with they don't need any more um sense of authenticity or like <laughs> confidence they've got that covered and for a lot of them it's more like the process and making the space for dating and the softer inner work so yeah, the process is the same. It's always these five steps. Mindset, how you're thinking about your dates, what you're going for in dating. Sourcing, where are you finding dates? Screening, how you're deciding if somebody is right for you or not. Presentation, how you show up on your dates and follow through. All of which we've covered, not necessarily in that order in this interview mm -hmm. today. It's just, it shows up differently um, for usually for the, in a different order or a different emphasis for the men and women that I work with. And Honestly, because um, I do work with a lot of, uh, a lot of, I, I mean, predominantly I work with cisgender, heterosexual women, but a lot, I found that a lot of them are now, a lot of my daters are actually more open to dating people of the same gender and are kind of taking down some of the, just the barriers where it's like, bisexual, pansexual, whatever, like who, mm -hmm. who it, a person is a person. So the principles of what I teach are pretty much the same. Like I might use different language in terms of like attraction and some of the more gender normative things, like, I don't know, heteronormative gender specific things that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. But at the core, it's just about you showing up as your best self and your most authentic, vulnerable person that you can be and looking to connect with another human who's doing the same. That's great. I love that and then, it's just about making the connection. All right. Yeah. Peyton, go for it. Got it. Mm -hmm. Do you think how you meet matters? Marcel and I both talked to John Berger and I know you had him on recently and he's very anti-dating apps and he made an argument about like you have to have a story around your relationship and we both completely disagreed. Oh, yeah, that's what he told us. <laughs> See, this is the funny thing about this business. Like, we're all friends. Like, we all have different theories. We all know each other. We all like, go on each other's <laughs> podcasts and read each other's books. Um, totally disagree. I'll do respect to, to John. I don't think it matters one lick what your story is. And more stories, like, Matches Singles in America study said that 40% of people said that their last first date came from a dating app. And that doesn't, that doesn't even include the rest of the world of online dating that I include, which is like meetups and Facebook groups and DMs and everything else that is happening, especially in a pandemic, you know, 
Zoom events. There's so much more that's happening online. And as someone who has two kids, people are like, I don't want to tell my kids that we met online. I have two kids. They could give two <laughs> cents <laughs> about the way that we met. They do not even care. And their whole world is online, especially now with online school. Their whole world is online. That is our entire existence. Why on earth would we expect that we would even meet anyone any other way when everything we do is online. That's bonkers to me. Mm -hmm. Who cares about your story? You, yeah. you write your own story. You know, you're, that, that's the meet, meet cute is not the story. The story is how you got to know another human and how being together made you two grow into better, more evolved humans when you were together than when you were apart. That's the story. There we go. You're trying to, to get me to, to throw John. all my friends under the no. bus. <laughs> no, no, he was, no, he, he was great. Like, we really, we he really had great. a great conversation. Really great. Him, but that was the one thing that we, we had an issue with. Um, oh, no worries. Like we totally, um, we had this debate on dates and mates too. <laughs> He's been on the show twice and, um, and his book really is fantastic. And it's interestingly based on a similar topic that we were talking about before it's make your move it's that you know mm -hmm. women should be more proactive in love and he has the research to back that up super cool and do you I find am. people have a checklist when it comes to dating um like oh he has to be this height and you know i've gone to this school and you know be a liberal or conservative and like how do you get people to open up yes there's definitely a checklist um either there's a checklist or there's no list which is worse actually <laughs> say, i'll know it when i see it and i'm like well have you seen it yet yeah um so yeah we do a lot of work in my program on mindset and i include like the foundations of who you're looking for what you know who you want to meet and what um values are important to you and what your goals are for the future so some of the things that you just mentioned fall under values and now i would say like politics is even bigger an even bigger part of that like that used to be something that's a big change since when i started doing this 15 years ago it's like eh, don't don't get hung up on politics don't talk about politics on the first date and now that's like everything <laughs> that's all they people want to talk about because people think that it is associated with a certain set of values which in some cases it is and mm -hmm. is more so now than it would have been before but it's not probably as important as we make it. Did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah. There are a lot of people in their twenties and I I'm sure I'm curious to know if, if it extends into the thirties and forties, but the checklist that 20 year olds have on these dating apps, the expectations they have for people that they hope to date and even just go on one date with, they, they talk to them and then just go on literally one date. The yeah. checklists are really long. To the point that people just kind of browse and never actually take action. I'm just curious mm -hmm. if you, you see a lot of that with your clients, if, if that extends into, you know, the dating in your 30s and 40s, if it's worse, better. So the, the longer you're at this and the longer it takes you to meet somebody you like, the shorter your list becomes just out of <laughs> like your pool, your pool is shrinking. Yeah. Actually, John Berger's first book, uh, Dateonomics, is sort of about this, that like, <laughs> especially like for educated women in urban areas, like 
you're educated. If you have an advanced degree, like you, if women are getting master's degrees and PhDs at higher rates than men. So if you start putting those things on the list, your pool shrinks. And then if you're like, and by the way, he has to be this tall and make this much money and be within a five mile radius of my house. That's something I've seen people change on the pandemic. People are opening up the location much more than ever before. That used to be, that used to be like top, top because we were like, oh, I have to drive across town and that's such a pain in the butt. Now it's like, well, it's a Zoom date. What's the big deal? But yeah, that, that list does sort of change and alter. You asked about my first date rules. I have people only ask themselves at the end of the first date if they're curious enough about the person to have a second date. And if they're curious enough about a second date, then you just ask at the end of the second date if you're curious enough to have a third. If you are no longer curious and you do not feel any kind of, any kind of physical anything by the third date, then I think it's okay to let it go. But you're so right that like so many people are trying to fast forward and get the answer to those deep, deep questions on a first date. And I, I don't know about you, but I couldn't figure out if somebody is aligned with me and goals and values in an hour. I'd love to hear what you think about this. A friend of mine, actually, she is single and she has been sending a list of eight or nine questions to dates to ask and, and determine their values. No, it's a lot of political questions. For connection. And they're not, they're not looking to be evaluated like that. So that's an immediate turnoff. The other thing that's really important, and this is really different from my 20-something clients and listeners versus my 30 and 40-something clients and listeners, is you cannot filter someone in text. You can't do it. You cannot tell if somebody is a right match for you only through text or chat. You have to move off of the app. You have to talk to them in real time, whether it's a phone call. I'm kind of bullish on the phone call. I've been trying to get people to bring back the phone call because I think video chat adds another layer that um, is not always clarifying. And actually you can tell a lot of those things, like have that conversation about those eight or nine things. I, I think that's still too much on a phone call, but like the top two maybe. Then all you, you need to figure out is like, could I spend an hour with this person? That's it. And mm -hmm. then you, then you have something to add to lead up to, to go on the zoom date or the FaceTime date or what have you, or the social mm -hmm. distance. I don't know. I don't know how you're doing it. I have my clients doing COVID dating safety plans as well. Like, mm -hmm. what are you comfortable with so that you're not compromising your values when you're then faced with somebody who's really cute and that you want to meet and kiss. Um, but I, I, this is a huge, huge issue that I see people trying to filter. I actually just got a question on dates and mates. And the person was like trying to DTR just in text. And I was like, hold oh, on. What? Like, yeah. Oh, no, seriously. DTR. I, Wait, I don't know that term. Like define the relationship. Define the relationship. Oh, in a text. oh my gosh. She's like, we've been dating for like six weeks and, you know, I got, I, I sent him this message and then he responded back. Like, I'm not, I'm just got out of a serious relationship. I'm not really looking for that. And I was like, good that you figured out what, where you're at the, early on, instead of after you've like slept together, wasted three months of your life or more. But 
that is not a text conversation at all, like in any con, in any, by any stretch of the imagination, especially somebody that you've already had dates with and talked to. And like, you're at that point where you think, is this going somewhere? You must have that conversation in real time. So if there's any takeaway from our conversation today for 20 something listeners, it's, you have to try to get into real time conversations because that's when you can see really how witty someone is, what the, your energy is, your energy exchange back and forth, how quickly they think on their feet, how they respond to really deep questions about their values instead of giving you a canned answer that they can research or cut and paste. This is something that they have to really be able to back up in conversation you'll have a completely different experience of connecting. And that's something I feel like we're really forgetting. We're forgetting how to really connect in real time. And then you, it becomes dating by checklist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like half of the messages you get, I mean, you've probably experienced this. Half the messages you get on dating apps are cut and pasted. Okay, Cupid has this data. They know how, if you text, if you put in one character, or if you put in, you know, 140. If you put in one character, you cut and pasted that message to 25 different women. Thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. They have the data for that. That's so interesting. They have data for everything. <laughs> it's all in the data. I find all that stuff fascinating. Yeah, I think we we can use all this data to our advantage. And that also can like get you out of the spin, like the emotional spin of dating, which I think can be like a real dark deep black hole for a lot of people it's like okay use the information like how many people sent you quality messages after you changed out your profile photo how many people responded back when you said this and then if you change it to a question instead of a statement did you get more responses like use it as the like love lab of your life is there any other advice you would give to 20 somethings dating well i said this on the drew barrymore show um i'm the love expert on that show and i they, they've latched onto this quote that I said, vulnerability is the new black. And uh, I really believe that though. Like that is really what changed not only my love life around, but even my business. When I stopped trying to be this mold of what I thought I was supposed to be and just came to the table as myself, that's when so much of my life like opened up to me. Uh, So I don't know if I have advice for vulnerability. (laughs) Maybe listen to the Dates and Mates podcast or take one of my programs. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, do do the deep work. Don't be afraid of the deep work because it's really interesting and really juicy and really, we only get to do this once as far as we know. So why not take big swings and live to the fullest? Because you know, nothing is promised and a a match is not promised. And I think sometimes we delay our happiness for other factors besides our own happiness and the journey that we want to have. So I would say that is a really key part of the process. And the other thing is to not worry so much about what other people are doing. Like I also get a lot of questions on my podcast from 
my 20 something listeners like, oh, well, I've never had a serious relationship or I've never been kissed or I've never had sex. And like, when do I disclose that? And I feel like we put ourselves through a lot of anxiety because we're comparing to what we think we should be doing or what the timeline we think should be. And if you stay in the moment with people and you really go after real authentic human connection, the timeline will be what the timeline will be. And if you're in your twenties, you got plenty of time to figure it out. <laughs> it feels like we're yeah. supposed to figure it out very quickly, but there's yeah. a lot of time. But we're all, you know, on our own timelines. And that's something I hear a lot to your point is people being like, I'll be happy when I get this job or when I have a boyfriend. It's like, no, like live in the present. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So true. So true. And I, I've been guilty of that as well. Like when I was a TV executive, I was always like, oh, I just need to get like, I, I was an assistant. And I was like, I just need to get to the executive ranks. And then I got to be a manager and I was like, well, I just need to be a director and then I'll get an expense account. And then I got to be an, a, a director and it was like, um, well, if I get to be a VP, then I'll have an assistant. <laughs> and then if I get to be an SVP, I can fly first class. And then the funny thing is that every time I got to the next level, for whatever reason, the level that you needed to be went up. So it was like, no, 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 you need to be an executive VP now to fly first class. And it's like, as soon as I get to the level that it's like, no, the finish line keeps moving. And I realized that I was kind of looking at the wrong finish line. And it's a real mind trip when you realize that. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this thing that I thought I was working towards doesn't, isn't what I wanted at all. And my whole life changed when I, I was a vice president of programming. I had my daughter. I went back to the job that I had been working towards my entire life and realized that I was not happy doing it. And on paper, it was all perfect. But I had to, I had to live in the moment. And that's when I became a dating coach full time. I'd been writing dating profiles on the side for years, but I just, I had to take a big leap. And so far it's paid off. And I, my day-to-day -day existence is so much better than if I was just living in that prescribed life and going up that prescribed ladder that I thought I was supposed to be on. That's, that's so great. Right it's so partner good. <laughs> makes the Yeah, <laughs> that's all great advice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here without, without his support to do that and to make that big leap. And so that's the other thing that I would tell, tell your listeners is that the person that you choose to blend your life with is the most important decision you probably will ever make more important than your job it's more important than pretty much anything because they it affects your your finances your career your family literally everything so you have to you have to engage in that process mindfully well thank you so so much yeah. for taking your time thank thank you we so really appreciate it thank you both wait we want to tell them where to find us that's important oh yeah find us on instagram at the unhinged podcast underscore we also have an email that we will link in the show notes yep. um, if anyone has any inquiries. Yes, and uh, you can check our Instagram for updates of new episodes. Um, you can check out our past episodes if you look us up on Spotify. Um, so yeah, just get get on the unhinged bandwagon. Yeah, and We're excited to have you. Friends and network because we are trying to 
expand our circle and we love and appreciate all the support.